You're watching Profile, success stories of ordinary people just like you and me. Thanks for watching, I'm your host Robbie, and our next guest is someone who has started her life on the beaches of Barbados and worked her way into the business world of North America. She's a woman who is multi-talented, multifaceted, and whom is determined to live her life with purpose. Help me welcome Renita Drakes. Renita, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited about this. I am too. I'm looking forward to hearing your story because you there's so much going on with you. First of all, so who is Renita? Wow, okay, so yeah. I grew up on the beautiful island of Barbados. Yep. When I was uh, fairly young, my parents decided they wanted to change, okay. so they moved us to Canada. You know, when people ask me where you're from or, mm -hmm. or what's your nationality, I don't say Canadian, although I've lived here more than I've lived in Barbados, and mm -hmm. I do have dual citizenship, I always say I'm from Barbados. You know, they say you can take the gal out of the Caribbean, but you can't take the Caribbean out of the gal, so, yeah. so that's me. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. At that age, did you have a problem making friends? I didn't have a problem making friends. I did have friends right away, but I still did feel that other that other experience that I know a lot of a yeah. lot of immigrants feel, mm -hmm. where some kids treated me different because I was, you know, my hair looked different, mm -hmm. I sounded different, so to them I was just weird, right? Yeah. You know, everybody thought I, I talked funny. So I had to learn how to drop my accent and sound Canadian. Or, you know, I dress differently, or you know, <laughs> they, you know, the food you eat is different, you know, all those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. I think that more so consumed me more than anything is, mm -hmm. you know, trying not to feel like an alien. Mm -hmm. um, but I did still have, you know, core friends that they just thought I was really cool because, you know, for all the things that other kids found weird, they thought was really cool. Yeah. So it was it was quite a shift for me. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just school, it was everything, mm -hmm. right? Um, the culture in the Caribbean was so different. So school was always e easy for me. Even in Barbados, I was always an overachiever growing up, right? And right. that's that's something that's then translated into what I've done as an adult and is why I am who I am today is because mm -hmm. of the kind of child I was. I was always really curious and I was always asking a lot of questions. Actually, my mom brought this up to me a few days ago. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whenever they'd have parties at the house, mm -hmm. I'd walk around and ask these like existential questions to the adults in the room mm -hmm. and I'd be on a quest to find more. So I've always wanted to consume knowledge. So in Barbados, I did well in school mm -hmm. and coming to Canada, because the education system is at a slower pace than in the Caribbean, um, I was able to excel. So then that freed me up to then really focus and daydream on a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'll spend a lot of time dreaming about, you know, what's my life going to be like and who do I want to be and what experiences do I want to have? What things do I want to do? So my first career choice was actually I wanted to be a forensic psychologist. And then I volunteered in the forensic psych lab at UBC mm -hmm. and it was... I can't explain it. I'm a very empathetic person, right? And I take on a lot. So if you're hurting, I hurt. Even if I don't know you that well, I just right. feel bad seeing other people feel bad. And then I learned that doing this as a career, it changes who you are, you know? You you have a very um, kind of macabre sense of, of reality right. and you almost become hardened. And I didn't want to have a job that was going to change who I was mm -hmm. and you know make me hardened to the world and hardened to suffering because I'm just seeing it so much that I become desensitized to it. So I thought, you know what, probably not the right career choice for me. So I finished my degree, I didn't go on to grad school. So at this age, I was a—I used to like video games, and um, you know, I was a gamer. I did um, a small gaming class in high school, you know, programming and stuff like that. You know, just making video games. So I thought it'd be really cool to be a video game designer. Right. So here's the thing: I talked myself out of it because I thought about, um, hmm, what are my career options? And because this was, you know. Uh, 
not when you know there's the, as many platforms as you have now and all the different options right mm -hmm. and that's one thing that i always tell people not to do now right don't ever talk yourself out of something even if you think it's too niche right even if you think that um there's no career path you just pursue what you want to do and then you know the means will come and you'll find a way to make it there so um my happy medium for not doing video game design was web development so then i went to bcit the British Columbia Institute of Technology, and I did a postgraduate program there where we learned software programming, web development, graphic design, uh, database administration. Everything I've done in life has been pretty mm -hmm. unconventional. Mm -hmm. So in school, when I was doing this program, um, there was a three-month term where we had to do a practicum. And so students were applying to jobs to do these practicums for three months at different companies. Mm -hmm. Me and three of my friends from my class, we asked the program director, instead of doing a practicum at a company, can we just start our own company and do our own work? And they said, sure, if you can actually find a client. And we said, okay, we're gonna do that. It actually turned out to be really great because what happened was a lot of the other students in the program, because it was such a short time and there were students, the companies that they ended up at weren't really challenging them and giving them enough work to do or anything really meaningful to do. So they would just be kind of doing you know some some students were just kind of filing and helping with random stuff around the office and they'd give them a few programming tasks here and there whereas we uh, managed to get a client for a large clothing um, label so uh, for our practicum we started a company and so by the time we were done school we were we still had this project that we had to finish right it was a, a six-month project for this large e-commerce website and so graduating school, I never went to go get a job. I was actually self-employed right out of the bat from school. It was a really good experience because I learned a lot of lessons that helped me later on down the road. So things like um, how to actually deal with clients properly, uh, how to write a good contract, because right. what happened with that is that company, halfway through the project, ended up uh, dissolving. So we just had a small deposit from them. We were just students. We just took a little thousand dollar deposit. We thought that was a lot of money at the time. And and then they shut down and was, we can't pay you. And so I learned a really good lesson from that in yes. terms of you know how to build a proper contract, how to um, put payment structures in place so that you're actually getting money along the way instead of just at the end of it. So at that point, um, you know, in my early 20s, just graduated out of school, did my freelance thing for a year or self-employment for a year. And so I went to go find a job. And okay. um, so I, I got a job at a health company mm -hmm. and it was a US based company that also had a headquarters in Canada as well. Mm -hmm. And so I was a web developer for this company and I worked there for only six months. What ended up happening was I constantly felt like I wasn't valued at this company, right? right. Um, I was always being second guessed. Um, and it got to the point where I said, you know what, this is not for me. I know that I, I'm good at what I do. I know that I'm capable of, of everything and I know that I'm, I'm bringing value to this company. If they don't see the value in me, then it's time for me, me to move on. Mm -hmm. I had no plan. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't know where I was gonna work. I had no other job lined up. So um, I submitted my le letter of resignation and then the director that I reported to at that time um, suddenly realized, uh-oh, <laughs> we're gonna lose her. Then they started offering me, what if we paid you double what we were paying you before? And I said, that's really great to know that you now think I'm worth that, but yes. you know, thank you, but I'm moving on, right? That same afternoon, I then got a call from the same university that I used to work or go to school at, and they just needed somebody to fill in a position for a couple of weeks. And so I just came in thinking I was just keeping the seat warm for a couple of weeks while they actually hired. They couldn't find anyone. And then um, after, you know, month went by, two months went by, three months went by, and I was still there, but I'm doing the job at this point. Mm -hmm. And so my boss at the time came to me and said, okay, well, 
um, you know, you've been doing the job for the last three months. Do you just want to apply for it? And I said, well, I'm not technically qualified for it. I don't have the, the qualifications on my CV mm-hmm. um, in terms of years of experience and whatnot. And, and he said, yes, but you've actually been doing the job. So you've already proven that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's essentially like I had a three month long interview at that point. Right? right. And so it was just a formality. And then I ended up with a job. And so that's what really kickstarted me into my career. And um, it was a very IT focused job at that time. And yeah, so that kickstarted my career. And then from there, I evolved into learning new technologies and and digital strategy. Awesome. So how long did you stay in that job for? So I was initially a programmer. Mm -hmm. And then after four or five years, then I became a senior programmer. And then I had people underneath me. And then I became a manager. And then I became a senior manager. And then, you know, leading a larger team, you know, doing digital strategy, social media marketing, web development, graphic design, video, et cetera. And so I was there for 14 years. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. And at the end of 14 years, that's when you decided you're going to go do your own thing. I used to work an hour and a half away from, my commute was an hour and a half. If I left early enough in the morning, it was about an hour. If there was traffic, an hour and a half coming back home. So I spent usually two to three hours a day just traveling. Imagine what I could accomplish if I was just working on something else during that 50 hours a month. Mm-hmm. And so for me then being able to work from home meant that if I, you know, once I stop working at 3.30 or four o'clock or whatever time, I can switch over and start working on my other things instead of now being on the road for an hour and a half. Right. Then your business was born. Yeah, so because I was doing uh, digital strategy, so that's, you know, um, website development, digital content marketing, social mm-hmm. media content strategy and things like that. I naturally also did it freelance, right? So, and I did that pretty much from day one, you know, so from the time I got my first job, mm-hmm. even till, you know, till present day. And so as I was able to step out of, of, um, of being employed, then I, I was able to build that up more and step more into the, the world of um, being self-employed. Is it, is it an established business now or are you still freelance? So I, I do, I'm running under a registered um, name, Tridera Media. That's the name of my company. Okay, and nice. right now I'm still principal in that company. I'm, so I'm primarily just doing consulting for clients. However, my next stage is now I'm going to be building out a team who then I can expand the services that I offer and the amount of work that I can take on. Are you enjoying the life you want to live from, from what you're doing? Uh-huh. Would, is it better than having a nine to five job? For me, the biggest um, thing about lifestyle of being an entrepreneur is having control of my time and being able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, with whom I want to do it with. And I, I never want to feel like I am discouraging or talking, you know, speaking badly about somebody who has a nine to five. It was just not the right path for me because I feel constrained from being able to pivot and do different things and, and having that control to be able to go and act on the things that I want to be able to do and accomplish. One of the things that I know about you is that you are involved in so many different things. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you have 60 hours a day no. <laughs> or the same 24 <laughs> like me. I wish, I wish. Yeah, some, yeah, it seems like that to some people. But right? Yeah. All right, t- tell me about the different things that you're involved in. So I do have uh, three different core businesses that I'm involved in. Okay. Uh, one is, is the web development and the digital strategy right. business that I have. A food-based business. It's a family-run business called Raphael's Gourmet Food. It's named after my dad, Raphael. We make Caribbean seasonings and sauces um, based off our family recipes from Barbados. And then the third business is my investing uh, business uh, called Bob Collective Capital, Mm -hmm. where myself and some friends and business partners, we came together to form this group that we can do investing in real estate and stocks and small business investments. These Caribbean products, 
are they manufactured in Canada or in the Caribbean? So on our labels, it actually says perfected in Barbados, made in Canada. <laughs> These were recipes that my grandmother taught my dad how to make growing up in Barbados, and she learned from her mom. And we've always used them, and over the years, people would always say to my dad, oh, you should make these, you know, you should sell this, you should sell this, right. it's really good. And, um, and it kind of happened by chance, and I think this is the way a lot of businesses were born. My brother was off um, in Alberta, working in Alberta, so some of his co-workers, you know, they'd see him cooking this great, great food and be like, oh, that smells so good or tastes so good, what's the sauce you're using? Yeah. And he'd say, oh yeah, this is just stuff we make at home. And so they would say, well, you know, can your dad send us some, we'll pay for it. And so he said, oh, sure, I'll ask him. And so, you know, my dad just threw some in some bottles and sent it to my brother. My brother slapped these labels that he made himself and he's not artistic in any way. You know, yeah. God bless him, I love him, but he's not artistic. <laughs> and um, so I saw these labels and I was actually horrified because yeah. I was like, you're not sending that to people, are you? Right. So I said, you know what, I'll make some properly, I'll design some labels for you. You can, at least then it looks, you know, a little bit more polished. So he just sent them off. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, he said, oh, they want to buy some more. So then my dad said, huh, maybe this is the time now I should take upon that suggestion that everybody's been saying all these years that you should sell it mm -hmm. and you know maybe we should start a business doing it. And so that's really how the business was born. We started signing up for farmers markets and you know from that we were able to get some other stores locally that were interested in our product as well and then it just grew from there. So it was a very very organic process and you know it was a lot of fun along the way you know just getting to meet and interact with people one-on-one -on -one real time. It's not often that when you own a business you are interacting directly with your client and so this was a great way for us to interact one-on-one -on -one with our client and to get their immediate feedback and see you know why they like it and what they think of it and how they use it and you know what it's been in their family and so yeah it's been a great labor of love. Awesome so I take it the wider market is enjoying it just as much as those in Bar um, Alberta. Yes, yeah. So now we are, um, we're more primarily in BC than we are, we are over there. We have more widespread distribution over here, but yeah. you know, we're throughout Western Canada in different provinces. Do you ship externally? We ship anywhere in Canada. We have not started shipping to the US yet. We just have to get uh, certified with the FDA and we have to change our label. So there's different requirements for a food product yeah. to be able to ship overseas. So each company has their own requirements. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, but right now we can ship anywhere in Canada. What? Our accomplishment of this family business. We started off as this, um, you know, this small kind of homegrown farmers market business, mm -hmm. and we've been able to really grow into partnerships with these really great distribution partners. Mm -hmm. So now we've been picked up by one of the largest online uh, groceries stores in Western Canada. And we've also been picked up with uh, one of the world's largest uh, grocery chains. I can't say who it is just yet because we, we haven't gotten on the shelves, okay. but uh, they're they're kind of the, you know, the end, the gold uh, standard for if you're a food business, you want to get into this company's uh, stores. Um, and so they picked us up, but we were just waiting to go through the process of getting onto the shelves. So what's the timeline on that? Ah, uh, gosh. So this is one of those things where in the food business, sometimes things move really fast or they move at a snail's pace. So it's, it's hard to say. There's a lot of red tape that you have to do um, just to even get onto stores. And that's one thing that, especially running a food products business, none of us, we all know food and we all love food and we can cook, but none of us had ever run or been involved with a food products business before. And you don't know what you don't know. Do you experience challenges that, uh, that you 
had to overcome in these businesses? There was a lot of false starts. You know, there's a lot of really promising opportunities that then quickly die or things that start off really well and then that relationship falls apart. Because at the end of the day, even mm -hmm. in business, it's all about relationships. And at the end of the day, you always do business with people that you like, know, and trust. Mm -hmm. And so if at any point any of those things breaks down, then it affects your business relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about Bob Collective. Tell me a little bit more about it. How did that start and how is it going? So the Bob Collective was really a group of friends that we all got together. We all individually came from different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. All of us have always had some level of interest and experience in investing, right? So we wanted to actually have a vehicle where we could pool our resources mm -hmm. because people have different resources, whether it's, it's time, it's money, it's um, network, it's skill set, whatever resources you have, if you pull it together with a group of people, you can accomplish so much more than if you did it on your own. And so our intention is that we wanted to come together to be able to build and grow together. And then we also wanted to be able to give other people in our community, friends, families, and, and whomever else that we meet, we wanted to give them the opportunity that they could also do it as well. Because what happens a lot of times is people feel that they don't have the resources or the knowledge or the connections or, or the, no, the general know-how to be able to do anything with investing. Yeah. And so what we're trying to do is is bring people along for the ride. It's, it's a great thing to have success on your own, mm -hmm. but it's better when you can bring your people along with you, right? And, yeah, and you can all enjoy, enjoy the journey. Can people contact you about that to learn learn strategies from you? We do regular meetups on stock strategy and we do a monthly networking meetup and then we have different meetups um, you know, for different initiatives that we're working on and we're always happy to guide people and you know, give them advice on, on the best way to get started and you know, ways if, they, if they're interested in getting involved in us, you know, we welcome everyone with open arms. One of the good things about when you achieve so much as what you want to achieve is giving back, mm -hmm. you know, helping others. How are you been giving back and what are some of the contributions you have made? So for the last seven years, mm -hmm. I have been involved in a nonprofit organization, the Barbados Cultural Association of BC. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to me, you know, keeping in touch with my roots in Barbados. Right. And so the mandate for that organization is to um, both promote Barbadian culture uh, locally here in, in BC, mm -hmm. but also to reach out to the Caribbean diaspora that lives here as well. So give support to the Caribbean community, but then also share that Caribbean culture with the Canadian uh, population as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've done different fundraising events, um, you know, to help not just the organization, but then to also help people in the community as well, uh, volunteering in the food bank, um, collecting coat donations, mm -hmm. um, you know, for the homeless and things like that. And I joined the board of directors about six years ago, and now I'm the president. And so, yeah, so it's been a really great experience. It's been a really great way to keep in touch with the community and another way that I'm that I'd like to be able to give back is uh, actually with helping women. So I myself, um, I've defied a lot of odds, right? I'm an immigrant. I'm you know a black woman, and I'm a single parent as well. And all of those things, um, according to statistics and society, I shouldn't be that successful, right? I should be struggling. I I should be having trouble, you know, being able to accomplish a lot of things, right? And I've I've defied all the odds. And I've, you know, even surprised myself, right. <laughs> you know, but I'm, you know, in a good way, though, you know, mm -hmm. proud of what I've been able to accomplish in my life. And I've I've had so many conversations with with friends and and women that I've met in different scenarios where they talk about, you mm -hmm. know, wishing they knew how to do something or wishing that, you know, they could do some of the things that I do. And I always say that, you know, you can 
you just have to one figure out what your passion is and then actually be able to execute that right and so one thing that i i'm always really passionate about is helping women discover who they are right and that you can do more than you think and you can go beyond whatever expectations society and other people and even yourself mm -hmm. might have placed on you now what advice do you have for people who are thinking about quitting their job and Don't do it. <laughs> They were, they're thinking about it though. They're like, I want to quit my job. I want to become an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. Should they do it? Should they not? Who, who should start a business? I always say, um, you know, God didn't put us on the earth to just live, work and die. That applies to me. It doesn't necessarily apply to everybody. I'm the type of person where, you know, working your nine to five, come home, eat, sit down in front of the TV go to sleep, wake up the next day, do it all over again, maybe have some social stuff on the weekend. That life never appealed to me personally. But I know for other people, they like the routine of knowing that I just have to put in these eight hours of work and then I can do whatever with the rest of the day. To be an entrepreneur, you have to really, really want to do what you're doing because it's gonna take a lot of work. There's the glamorous aspects of it, of living a free life, yes. But in order to get to that point, right. you're putting in 18, 20 hours a day just grinding away and you might still have a full-time job as well, right? So there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. There's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of hard life lessons to learn and there's a lot of failure that comes with that, right? So I think you have to really determine what it is that you want to do, but more importantly, why it is that you want to do it. Mm -hmm. If you're doing something just for the sake of doing it, so for example, if you say, I'm gonna start a business, I'm gonna open a car dealership because you know these kind of cars are really popular so I can make lots of money, terrible reason to start a business. You have to have a passion and a genuine interest in either what your product is or the outcome of what you're trying to do. So if you're doing it as a means to impact some people or you know some people's lives if you're providing a service to society and you have a genuine cause that you connect with on a personal level you will do whatever it takes to make that happen mm -hmm. if you're not there then you're just going to have a lot of frustration and you're not going to be as successful as you want to and even if you do have that that desire and you know exactly what it is you want to do and you have that passion i always I would never recommend anybody just quit their job and go do it. We hear those stories about, you know, somebody who quit a well-paying job to go open a surf shop in like Tahiti. And then now, you know, in the first three months, they're making a hundred thousand at the end of the year, they're making a million a year. Those are great stories, but that's not the reality for most people, right? So for me, I was able to work on my businesses outside of my work hours. And so I had the stability of a regular income. And then that took away the pressure because what happens when you're worried about how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to get food? How am I going to pay my rent or my mortgage? You start making bad decisions because you're worrying about just taking care of your basic life. And so if you don't have your basic life necessities taken care of, you're not going to make smart decisions. So I, I, I would recommend people to start in their in their off hours mm -hmm. if they're at a point where they know that you know i can take that leap or you know if you're living at home with your parents still mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry about paying a mortgage great then yeah you can quit your job because you have somebody you know that's helping you out with those kind of things you know mm -hmm. or if you have a ton of savings that you know i can live off my savings for the next year or so then great you have some sort of a cushion but you know for a lot of people or in most cases that's not the case and so people find themselves in these situations where they just threw away their mean source of income, and now they're just drowning and they're fluttering, right? And trying right. to make something happen. So I would say, you know, you, you want to identify, identify why you're doing it, because if you don't know why you're doing it, 
uh, your customers aren't going to connect with what it is that you're trying to sell, whatever product or service you're trying to sell. That's something earlier and it, it just slipped by me uh -huh. and I want to hear more about it. Okay. You said you, you play music. Yes. You, you play instrument. Tell uh -huh. me about it. Okay, so I'm a saxophonist and it's funny how this started. So when I was in ninth grade, um, I was looking for electives to do in school and I always thought the saxophone was really cool. Um, the band teacher at the time, who was also the vice principal, he played literally every instrument you could ever think of. It was actually amazing. Like he, So he wouldn't just teach the students, you know, do this. He would, you know, stop. And so if somebody was on the trombone, he'd grab it and go, this is you know, he'd go on the, yeah, like it was crazy. It was amazing to watch him. But his main instrument was the saxophone. And that man would not let me look at anything else. He wanted me fine-tuned and focused on the saxophone. So then I, um, I became his protege. And it's funny, it's one of those things where in high school, being in band was super geeky. And so, you know, my friends would always make fun of me like, why are you in band? That's super nerdy. But then all of a sudden now I've graduated high school, I'm in, a, I'm in a band and all of a sudden it's cool. Yeah. So I was in a Caribbean band for about 10 years and then I, you know, I did some studio work and gigged with different musicians. And so it was fun, it was a good opportunity to tour around you know we got to travel to different places and play different gigs and festivals and nice. you know I met a lot of really interesting people that I'm still friends with uh, you know now 15 20 years later do you still play the saxophone I do still play do you um, have one I do yes I'm gonna invite you over to play for us okay sure I didn't bring it with me today but I do I do have it um, now actually I play primarily actually at my church so I'm in the music ministry at my church nice, so nice. I play a lot of you know gospel and, and yeah. you know, worship music so yeah it's a, it's a beautiful thing and talking about um, what are some of the lifestyle things that you've been able to do mm -hmm. you know you know being self-employed and I always had this dream from the time I was probably in my teens that I wanted to be an actor mm -hmm. and most people don't know this so this is like a scoop that I'm, I'm you know, uh, releasing right now. Even my closest friends actually have no idea that that was always kind of like the secret dream that I had. Um, however, one thing about being an actor is you have to be able to do auditions at a moment's notice. You know, the agent could send a text right now and be like, oh, there's an audition tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. When you're working a job, you can't just you know, randomly be like, oh, I got to dip out at 10 o'clock because I got to go run for an audition. And then, oh, next week there's wardroom fitting from like, you know, 12 mm -hmm. to 2. So I can, so it's, it's a huge, um, it really eats into your time. So it's not conducive to somebody who has a nine to five job, right? right. Which is why a lot of times you'll find actors are doing, th they're working in the service industry and, and things that have more flexible hours or where they can work in the evenings so that their days are freed up, that they can go to auditions. So now that I do have freedom of time, it just dawned on me, just suddenly one day, <laughs> I just thought, oh, I have the time that I can do this now. Mm -hmm. And so I called up, my son has had an agent since he was a baby, and he's a close family friend of mine as well, who, he, you know, he's a veteran actor. So I, I just texted him one day and I said, I think I want to start acting. He's like, I think you'd do great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get you, so by the end of the day, I had my, um, you know, I had all my, my headshots and everything set up and, and I had my profile set up in the, you know, the casting workbook and, you know, I've done some interesting auditions, got a couple bookings, so it's it's been a fun process. So that's my that's my one fun lifestyle thing that I've been able to do is pursue that lifelong dream that I've had. I would need, <laughs> I need you to share some of your work. Share them with us. <laughs> Wonderful, Renita. Thank you very much. Thank I love you your story me. and I, I love the way you are willing to help and to give back. And I hope you all enjoy today's story. Thanks for watching. Again, you will see us next time. Bye for now. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story. Ah, oh, my pleasure.